your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this Monday afternoon episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. We are back this week with another episode for this podcast. I have a lot to get to for today's episode. A lot of it is going to be uh, talking about the two semifinal series. You know, as both are tied two games apiece, I am going to have a bit of a rant on NHL officiating because it reared its ugly head again last night as it has been um, virtually all playoffs long. But I think it's really starting to be a main talking point in every single game now. And I think I, I'm really just sick and tired of it because you know the scale of the, of the players in the sport um, is the highest that it's honestly ever been. You know, there's not a lot of dead, there's no dead puck era and any anything along those lines. And, you know, and to see it just continually get, you know, cratered down to, you know, what's been going on lately is just Absolutely ridiculous. Um, we're also going to talk about Kasperi Kapanen's season and what you can expect from him moving forward. I also wrote an article today for Last War on Hockey looking at what I think the organization will do in the expansion draft. So I'll talk about that as well. And we'll also preview Game 5 for both of the series, uh, the Stanley Cup semifinal series, um, that is. But, okay, let's get into uh, the playoffs so far. Just you know, touch on a little bit of a recap in case you are not following it. I understand that a lot of fans don't really pay attention to hockey once the Pittsburgh Penguins go out. You know, I used to be one of those people, but now um, as I've gotten older and, you know, I, my love for hockey has grown, I, I like to watch a lot of different teams so that I'm well-versed around the league, you know, and not just um, the Penguins. But Vegas got a big win last night against the Canadians to tie the series at two. It looked like for a while there that Montreal was going to go up three games to one, which basically would have been curtains. And I think Montreal would have went to the final had they won that game but you know Vegas did wake up late in the third period to tie the game with McNabb and then uh, Nicholas uh, Roy won it in overtime just about a minute in to send the series back to Vegas um, tied two games apiece in case anyone was living under a rock Marc-Andre Fleury was benched for game four after that horrible gaffe um, in game three where it looked like uh, Vegas was about to go up two games to one there was less than two minutes to go Tries to play the puck behind the net, and then Josh Anderson has a tap in as he was able to corral the puck, and then just put it right into the goal. And that was very, very similar, I thought. And Chad tweeted this out from the four one two Sports Talk, and I will also want to say before I get any further, congratulations to both him and Eddie. They are now part of DK Pittsburgh Sports, or their show is. Um, if you are a lover of Pittsburgh sports, not just the Penguins. Um, please listen and subscribe to their podcast. They bring some of the greatest content uh, that this city has to offer. And I've been very fortunate that I've been able to go on their show and they've been able to come on here uh, from some crossover promotions. So there's um, so much content in the Pittsburgh sports area right now, not just, you know, for the athletic and, you know, DK side or, you know, uh, other areas. You know, you have, you know, Zach and Tyler do a great job with Around the 412. And, you know, I'm sure I'm forgetting so many others. So um, subscribe to their content because um, this is just the tip of the iceberg, I really think. You know, the Nick and Nick show, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, go back to what I was saying. You know, that is who Marc-Andre Fleury is in the playoffs. You know, he's he's a great goaltender. He's probably better than I give him credit for. And I loved Fleury growing up. But he'll have gaffes like that, which, you know, it takes you back to 2010 and 2012. And, you know, the one that really reminded me of was 2014 Game 4 against the Jackets when um, Columbus stole the puck behind the net. There was less than 30 seconds to go. Dubinsky's able to tie it with 22 to go. And then I think Felino wins the game only three minutes into overtime on 
a shot from like almost 50 feet out. And, you know, that's just that that's what happens with Marc-Andre Fleury. You know, he gives up a goal like that. And then in overtime, Montreal wins it because he overplays um, the puck. And then Anderson has another wide open net. And then that's just like I said, that's who Marc-Andre Fleury is. You take the good with the good, obviously, but you also have to take the bad with the bad. He's not going to change. He has not changed at all playing the puck. Um for the last decade and you know Vegas is going to have to get used to that um I think it with regards to benching him I think it was maybe a bit rash but um it did work with Pete DeBoer Robin Leonard only allowed one goal last night to uh, Paul Byron who I can't even believe was uh, not claimed on waivers it's just ridiculous that he was not um now they face a really intriguing decision for Game 5. In my opinion, I think you should keep riding Leonard. He won you Game 4. He only gave up one goal, in which I think Montreal was the much better team in that game. That was honestly probably their best game of the series, and Vegas survived it. So um, I still think they should go to Leonard for Game 5, though it would not surprise me if they did to go back to Marc-Andre Fleury. I'm still going to stick with Vegas in 6, though You know Montreal is definitely giving them all they can handle. I've been definitely really surprised at how Montreal has played in this series. And before I get into the ref stuff, um, you know, the Islanders, uh, what a play by Ryan Pollock. That was a full-on Rob Scuderi save from Game 6 of 2009 against Detroit. Uh, McDonough had a wide-open net. That game is probably about to go to overtime. Is it's going to be a buzzer beater? Pollock says no. And the Islanders continue to have this horseshoe so far up their ass that it's honestly just insane at this point. This series shifts back to Tampa tonight. That's when Game 5 will be, as we'll try to see if for the third consecutive series, the Islanders, after going down two games to one, uh, we'll go up three games to two going back to the Nassau Coliseum. I'm still going to stick with Tampa Bay in six. I do think that they are the better team, but you know, the Islanders have not given a damn about them the last two series, and especially against the Penguins where, you know, they went into Pittsburgh, stole a game they had no business winning, and then, you know, basically did the same thing in game six as Tristan Jari, um, obviously vomited all over himself. But you know, to go into this officiating rant a bit it honestly is just a joke what nhl officiating has become watching that game last night between montreal and vegas it was disturbing i mean you had that whole incident with um what mcnab and suzuki at the tail end of the period um mcnab's just going after suzuki giving him punches to the face um suzuki's giving him wax and then chris lee wants time to roll down to the period doesn't call a penalty he actually lets play continue for about 20 seconds and then after that, he didn't call a penalty for the next 35 minutes of the game. And then, you know, even before that, when they did call a penalty, it was this simple little baby slash that, you know, gets ignored um, 99 other times during the game. But then the other time it happens, they call it. And I mean, it's just like, where is the freaking consistency with this? You know, this is... This is so huge for the future of this league. You have two huge TV platforms taking over your TV rights next year. You know, ESPN, obviously, the worldwide leader in sports. They're putting together, it looks like, a pretty good broadcasting. You're probably going to have people call out the officiating in that broadcast. You know, Turner Sports, I know they're not putting together, you know, the best B package, but it's still a pretty big TV service. I mean, they have that Inside the NBA show, which is one of the best things, um, in sports, you know, they have a lot of good color commentator and play-by-play -play, um, 
announcers and you also have expansion uh, to sell to new fans. And, you know, I don't think a lot of new fans are going to like the way these games are being called. And obviously, this is not on the, the officials, I would say. It's mainly on the league. This is how they want the games to be called because a lot of the people in the NHL's front office are people that, you know, they're those grind players that didn't have a lot of skill, that hacked and whacked players like Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky and Mike Hotbossy and Bobby Hull and Brett Hull and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So they like this stuff. They liked, you know, the dead puck era from the 90s and the 2000s where, you know, it was just a slog. And, you know, you kind of were seeing this in these two series. You know, you have a Vegas team that, you know, it's a sprint with them and they like to wear you down and it's, it's speed and skill versus a team in Montreal that, you know, it's a slog. They're, they're defense first hockey. They're going to try to win games one nothing and 2-1 to one because that's their system and they're going to stick to it. And it's kind of the same way with Tampa versus New York where the Tampa Bay, you know, they're that elite skating team. They're fast and skilled. And then the Islanders, they're not that. You know, all their games are a slog. I mean, sure, they forecheck hard and they defend well, but, you know, that, that that's Barry Trotz hockey. You know, it, it's kind of a little bit like a mini version of the Devils from the 90s and the 2000s. And the fact that the NHL lets some of these teams get away with it, you know, to create these, this parity and, you know, to keep the games closer than what they should be, is just a joke. And there honestly just needs to continue to be more consistency with these calls. You know, as the game goes on, the rules should not all of a sudden tighten. You know, if, you, if you're calling something in the first period, you need to call it in the second period. You need to call it in the third period, and you need to call it in overtime. You just need to call the freaking rule book. You'll saw, you saw Gord Miller last night tweeting this out, and I completely agree with this. You know, he's one of the best announcers for TSN. He says, it's time for a reset. Call the rule book. A penalty in the first minute of the first period is a penalty in the last minute of the third overtime. Expecting officials to manage the game does not work. Call the penalties. The players will adjust. I agree with Gord on that. The players will adjust. Sir, some people in NHL front offices are not going to like it, but you know what? Who gives a shit at this point? I'm sorry for my language, but I'm tired of seeing this every single game and seeing this talked about after every single game when, you know, there's two really good series going on right now. You have the Tampa Bay Lightning, the defending Stanley Cup champions, trying to do something that only one team has done in the last 20 years in the Pittsburgh Penguins, and that is repeat. I mean, that is very freaking hard to do. You have the New York Islanders giving every them everything they can handle and have a coach in Barry Trotz who's trying to get back to the Stanley Cup final for the second time in, what, four seasons? You have a great underdog story in the Montreal Canadiens. No one expected them to be within two wins of going to the Stanley Cup final. And then you have an expansion team from just 40, three to 40 years ago and is trying to win their first Stanley Cup and not even five years in the existence. And that's not even, and those are not even the main, you know, talking points about these series. It's, it's just been the officiating and I'm tired of it. I know a lot of other people are tired of it as well, especially with people I talk to. And, you know, I obviously I saw Brian Boucher's, you know, tweet last night. You go, stop crying about officiating, bro. Stop crying about, it. you know, okay. Like I, I'd give it some credit as Pat Damp says from KDKA, even if it were an outlier, but you know, this is every single game that we're talking about the officiating and with it being so bad. And I also do want to say this before I move on. There is no bias against one team and you know, the refs aren't out to get you. They are, they are just bad at their jobs. This happens to every team, every single night. There's no, you know, the refs wanting another certain team to lose or a certain team to win. It's never been like that. But again, I would understand Brian Boucher's tweet from from NBC if this were, you know, an outlier, you know, we're talking about this, you know, once a week or, you know, once every couple weeks or, you know, maybe even once a month. But 
The fact that we're having this discussion every single freaking day during the playoffs, it's tiring. The league needs to get this under control going into next season because, again, as I've said, a lot of people, myself included, are tired of it and they can't think that this status quo is okay. Again, an, an idea that I floated around a few weeks ago, make the officials available to the media after the games. I mean, this is not hard. You know, Make them answer questions from the media about why they're not calling stuff. Make them answer questions about why they made this call or you know etc etc that is what they need to do but the nhl they are a bunch of cowards and they're not going to do that because they don't think the officials should answer for what they did or did not do but this is just a tire fire i'm tired of talking about it i'm sorry i went on a long rant here but it's just i'm sick of this and they need to get this under control going into next season because they will lose fans if this continues to happen on a nightly basis, especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I understand that the games get tighter, you know, they're more contested than games in the regular season, but, you know, if you're calling a penalty during the early portions of the regular season, you need to call that penalty um, during any time in the Stanley Cup playoffs or any time during a game in the playoffs. At least that's just how I look at it. But, okay, before we do get to the next segment, it's time to talk about Built Bar, they have nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the flavors well, you are missing out. Peanut butter brownie, mint brownie, raspberry, and cherry are just a few to name. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Most of them have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. A couple of the others have 18 grams of protein, just 180 calories, just 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. You can go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BiltBar.com. Okay, so welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Let's get into the season review of Kasperi Kapanen. So this was definitely an interesting season for him. Um, he Obviously, you know, if you look at his stats, you know, the biggest thing that jumps out at you, uh, shot at 16.2% at all situations this year. That is a career high from he never even got to above 13% for his career uh, coming into this season. So um, definitely a bit of an outlier. Um, 10 of his 11 goals were at 5v5, had 30 points in 40 games. So average what, you know, almost a point per game this year for um, that. This was the closest he had been to a point per game player um, throughout his career. You know, last season, 36 points in 69 games with the Leafs. Um, the season before that, which was probably his best season, 20 goals, 44 points in 78 games. Um, if you look at his on-ice stats, starting with the playoffs, was on the ice for 53% of the shot attempts. Um, his expected goals for was not good, around 41%. So the biggest thing with Kappen, I think, this season was that he was capitalizing on the chances that he was getting, even though some of the underlying numbers were not that good. You know, if you look at his scoring chances for in the playoffs, was only on the ice for 49.3%. And if you look at high danger, it was way worse. Was only on the ice for 11 high danger chances for 22 high danger chances against. Now, if we go to the regular season uh, in the 40 games that he played this year, uh, only was on the ice for 50% of the shot attempts, um, was on the ice for 64.7 of the actual goals for, you know, let, let me rephrase that. Um, when Kapanen was on the ice, Pittsburgh had 64.7% of the actual goals. Um, but if you look at his expected goals, only at 47.5% this year, um, he actually con conceded more chances against um, than he did for 211 for 230 against for 47.8 scoring chances for percentage. And he also lost 
across the battle for high danger as well at 46.3% high danger chances for when he was on the ice. But again, you know, the actual high danger goals for when he was on the ice, 20 goals for, 9 against for almost 69%. But, you know, if you just look at the chances for, 46.3%. So what is this saying for those that don't understand me? It's basically that, you know, again, he was capitalizing on the chances that he did get, even though he was conceding a lot the other way. And he also banked on a very high shooting percentage this year. Yes, he did live up to being traded for a top 15 pick. I'll definitely eat some crow on that. But should we expect him to do that again next season? I'm not sure. I mean, 30 points in 40 games. I mean, over an 82-game season, that's what, you know, a 60 points, basically 61 points in 82 games. I'm not sure that Kapanen is a 30-goal, you know, 30-assist player, you know, or even, you know, 20 goals, 40-assists kind of player in this league. I think what you're more looking at next year is probably around 40 to 45 points, maybe averaging half a point per game as he goes into his contract here. And he's definitely not going to shoot 16% next year. I mean, he he definitely, I think, will capitalize on some chances, but it's not going to be basically every chance he gets going into the offensive zone. And he also does need to do a better job of not getting caved in on a nightly basis. I know playing with Evgeny Malkin, you know, he's not the best defensive player on the team, even though he is a world-class player, but he does need to do a better job defensively in his own zone and not getting caved in almost every shift, even though, you know, he did balance it out with getting uh, quite a bit of chances and finishing those chances um, throughout the season. But I think that's what I think is going to happen with Kapanen next year, mainly looking at maybe, I think, 20 goals, 20 assists around, 40 points. 2025, maybe. I guess that's around 45 points. That, that's just my guess, I think, for him next season. I don't think that he will be back after next season. I think he's going to price himself out uh, from Pittsburgh, especially because they're not going to have enough cap space to sign him, I don't think. But he had an, a marvelous season for Pittsburgh. Was also pretty decent, I think, in the playoffs, but don't expect him to shoot over 16% next season. And I also don't think you'll see, you know, 10 of 11 goals next season, you know, being at 5v5. I mean, there is a good amount of luck factor into that. But before we do get to our next topic, which will be some expansion stuff, let's talk about BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline, get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC action. For the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or phone and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Head to the website or use your phone to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts with the promo code locked on all right welcome back to this episode of the locked on penguins podcast i'm your host hunter hodes remember follow me on twitter at hunter hodes follow the show's twitter at lo underscore penguins so let's continue to chat about some expansion stuff so today i wrote uh for last word on hockey one of the sites that i write for just you know what i think the penguins management will do uh going into uh the expansion draft with the seattle kraken not what i would do you all know my thoughts on that if you've been listening to the podcast the last couple of weeks but what i think they will do for forwards Obviously, the big four of Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, and Rust. I think McCann definitely gets protected. I think Kapanen does get protected. I think that they will look at this past season for him and think that he can replicate that next season, even though I may be a bit more skittish on it. And then I do think they will protect Jeff Carter. Again, it is not what I would do. I understand the reasoning behind it, especially with Evgeny Malkin. They don't know when he's going to be back, um, especially after that major knee surgery that he had. It looks like it was confirmed uh, a torn MCL. At least that's what Jesse Marshall is saying on 
Twitter after he kind of clowns someone for going at Malkin a little bit. Um, I think they also trust Carter more in a 2C role, especially offensively. I mean, you obviously saw what he did uh, when he came over from the Kings. 13 goals, 16 points in those 20 games. I know Teddy Bluger, his offense came about this year, but I just don't know if Penguins management trust him in a 2C role uh, more than Jeff Carter. Again, everyone, if this were up to me, I would protect Teddy Bluger over Jeff Carter. I think he has a bit more upside, and I really don't think that the Kraken would take Carter um, as just a one-year rental, though Dan Hopper made a great point with his article last week. Um, Carter only counts for $2.6 million of the salary cap. If the Kraken do take him and he puts up okay numbers um, and then they're bad by the deadline, they could just flip him for 50% salary retained and then the other team is only taking on $1.3 million uh, for Jeff Carter and then he'll probably just call it a career. So, there's definitely logic to the Penguins protecting Carter, but again, I think with all the other options out there, you know, with Aston Reese, Bluger, Tanev, or heck, even Jason Zucker, um, I don't think that they would bite on Carter, even though it does make some sense, as Dan wrote about in his article last week. And then, you know, as for the defense, obviously they are going to protect Dumoulin and Latang. That's a no-brainer. Um, I think management will protect Pedersen. I know what Rob Rossi said in his article last week about them protecting Freeman. It makes sense because there's history there with Ron Hextall, but I do think he will protect Pedersen. You know, maybe you could try, they could try to think that um, uh, Seattle would take Matheson. However, that's very unlikely if you just look at his contract five more years at what, almost $5 million per? That's just not going to happen, though. Again, it would not surprise me if Hextall did leave both Pedersen and Matheson unprotected. Again, he has no loyalty to those players. This also could show, as Rob Rossi mentioned in his article last week, that the that they would be willing to move on from one, if not both of these players, during this offseason to create more cap flexibility so they can go out into free agency and you know maybe go after someone like a Blake Coleman who makes a lot of sense to get bigger and tougher, as Brian Burke has been talking about that. Ron Hextall also said they want to get more size. Again, Blake Coleman makes a lot of sense. Checks all the boxes, I think, for what the Penguins are looking for. I touched on Yoel Armia last week. That makes sense, too, if they're looking for someone with size to fill in the bottom six. I think that would be my Aston Reese replacement um, if he gets per, uh, picked in the expansion draft. Or even someone like Brandon Tanev. I don't expect Seattle to take Tanev. Um, it actually would help the Penguins. I know it would not be a popular decision in the Penguins fan base if Seattle did take Brandon Tanev with everything that he has done the last couple of years. You know, with his hair and you know how likable he is and all that but he does have four more years at three and a half million per that would help their salary cap situation not just for next season but long term as well and for the goalie I really do think they are going to protect Casey DeSmith I just I, 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 I sense it I don't think that they're happy with Tristan Jari especially after what happened in the playoffs you're already reading from Rossi that they're looking at veteran goalie options for next season I think that they will protect DeSmith and dare Seattle to take Tristan Jari I, there's obviously going to be better goalies available to them um, but I think I, I, I would agree with Hextall if they did decide to expose Jari dare the Kraken to take him that's three and a half million off your cap and then you can go after a full-fledged starter in free agency or if you want you want to go after someone on the trade market hint hint John Gibson if you want to pay a hefty price to get him out of Anaheim and bring him home but that is what I think the Penguins will do in the expansion draft obviously it also helps if Seattle takes a chance on Jason Zucker that's five and a half million off your cap next season which will go a long way for this offseason you know they, they can also create more cap flexibility as I talked about a few minutes ago but getting Zucker off your cap even though he did have a hard season um, that would be one of the best case scenarios 
scenarios for Pittsburgh. I mean, also, if Zucker plays well with the Kraken, they could probably get a decent return from him at the deadline if they're bad and still eat half his salary. I mean, what's that? $2.75 million? You know, Zucker on $2.75 million for a contending team. You can put him on the second or third line with how he potentially does next season. That would be pretty good. So I, I, it would not surprise me if Seattle takes him. But I also don't expect that to happen. Again, everyone, to summarize, the Penguins are going to lose a very good player. I've been talking about that the last few weeks. And this really can't come soon enough, so I really just can stop talking about it and then just move on to the next big topic uh, for the offseason, which, of course, is the free agency and potential trade stuff. But hope you all liked this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I'm working on a few things, some potentially new guests coming on to the show as we speak, so look for that in the near future. I appreciate you all listening to this one, and we'll do another one of these tomorrow. So I'll talk to you all then.